located in Keshekta, New York, and on the web at dogmountainlodge.com, and from listener donations at wjffradio.org. My name is Valerie and Lada. Tell us what you like to listen to. I love NPR. I love Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I love the the weekly politics hour, Um, This American Life, everything. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Share your love of Radio Catskill during our Summer of Love Fun Drive. Give now at WJFFRadio.org. You're listening to Radio Catskill. Your NPR station for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Support for WJFF comes from the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York. RiverReporter.com. From the Women's Health Center in Holmesdale, Hamlin, Waymart, Carbondale, and Lords Valley in Pennsylvania. Physicians and certified midwives who deliver. The Women's Health Center is a Wayne Memorial Community Health Center. WMH.org. And from listener donations at WJFFRadio.org. That's right. That's why we need to hear from you now at WJFFRadio.org. We need your support. You can also call 845-482-4141. Make a contribution of any amount and do it now while we're still here to take your call because we are hoping to cross the $2,000 mark for the day. Still have a good $710 to go on that, so if you can help us out with that, that would be a big help. WJFFradio.org. And this is it. We're well into the uh, 7 o'clock hour, and we should be hearing Sabrina Artel's trailer talk, which comes to you um, on the first and third Wednesdays of the month. And uh, we got to get that program going to help us do that. It's the host of Trailer Talk, Sabrina Artel, joining us on the phone live. Sabrina, how are you doing? No, I'm doing well, Jason. I'm so happy to uh, be speaking with you and to be on the air. And I'm just going to ask people really, uh, you know, pick up the phone, give us a call. Uh, let's get, let's get it going. This fun drive for WJFF. It's so important to have this kind of media in our community, in the region, really, right? So locally based and coming to everyone, I feel so fortunate to be able to be a part of WJFF, and I'm always happy to hear from you. So please give us a call, 845-482-4141. You can also go online at WJFFradio.org. So, Jason. Sabrina. Yes. I, I... Go ahead. No, I was just laughing. I was just, I'm just waiting for what you're going to lay upon me here. Well, what I was going to say is, so tonight's episode, there'll be one tonight instead of the usual two, but I thought it would be wonderful to share with our listeners, uh, again, Greg Swartz from Will-O-Wisp Organic Farm, uh, just an extraordinary farmer who can so express the importance of caring for our land and for the people that live here, right, around us, and what the process of organic farming for produce is. And his partner is Tanis Kowalchuk, who founded Farm Arts Collective. So they're an incredible team. And I wanted to share the episode because I think in thinking about our uh, area, what I was so moved by um, during this time, I mean, we're still in the time of the global pandemic, but is how people found ways to provide mutual aid, to support each other, and to deal with the real serious deficits that we have. And we also have such treasures, right? But um, Greg and Tannis, during this time of COVID, found a way to be a part of providing food for those in need in Wayne County, Pennsylvania, where their farm is located, but in turn actually helping their own farm, which was dealing with 
a crisis during COVID. So I think that's a great example for us and for me is to remember that as, as we reach out, we are also providing ourselves with something so important and something so important is this radio station uh, that is right here in Sullivan County and broadcasting in Sullivan and, and also Pennsylvania and the region. I've been in my car driving down to New York City, and I can get just about 45 minutes away and still hear WJFF. Oh, great. That's that's good to hear. <laughs> and, yeah. And it's good so, to hear it, yeah. Right? You know, so that's like kind of the outer edges, the beginning edges of Orange County if you're traveling west or east or something we've been um, hearing uh, just so you know we've been hearing the the last uh, a couple of fun drives especially it's noticing that we've been getting more and more contributions from folks that are up in what i call the big country the catskills up towards uh, uh up on 209 uh, heading out towards mm. kingston or up uh, even on route 28 in place i heard somebody tell me that they've been listening to us uh in new Paltz. so um the the signal gets around of course we can be uh wherever you are on on wjffradio.org or the wjff app 845-482-4141 call now support this uh, radio station uh, that does all these things that, like Sabrina's saying, and um, uh, you know, Sabrina, Greg, when you talk about like what we've gone through in the last year, you know, Greg and Tannis were were a part of uh, how we were covering that on air, keeping us in touch with what they were doing in community. Greg was one of the first people that I talked to about how were the farmers markets going to reopen last year, and uh, and he yeah. was the one that walked me through that as well. So we've got that conversation coming up in in not too long. Um, and I, and you, you basically picked that one out for folks to hear tonight. Yes, I picked that one out because I was thinking, what, what do I want to share during this time of the fun drive that somehow embodies, I think, so many of the incredible people and stories that we have in our listening area. And of course, you can also catch WJFF online at WJFF dot org but you know it's um so it just embodied a lot i think also of what i've been thinking about during this time and um and that also brings me to uh me going to the very first performance of the calicoon center band yes since covid that's coming up tonight at eight o'clock so anybody listening and you can get to calicoon center new york um by eight o'clock they are coming back um it's a safe safe venue for them to be able to come back during covid and you know the calicoon center band has been playing every year with the exception of the last one because of covid since 1934 Wow, and that gives you an idea of both how serious last year was, but also how serious people in our listening area are about music. <laughs> now, Sabrina, we have a special treat at the end of your program tonight because, well, and let me just say this, just to give you an idea of how community radio works, is uh, the <laughs> last couple of weeks of June, I really beat the bushes trying to find out who I could talk to for the Calhoun Center band, not not sure who was still involved or not. Um, I spoke to multiple people that used to know. I put out a couple <laughs> emails. I even put a posting on Facebook saying, hey, does anybody know if the band's doing anything? Uh, this year, and it wasn't until you let me know this that 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 I that I found out you and Tim both sent me information about this. Well, and so anyway, long story short, I talked to the president of the Calicoon Center Band real quick earlier this afternoon, and we'll play that uh, after the the Greg Swartz interview uh, here and the trailer talk hour. Even as you're getting there, just before the band starts, we'll we'll be playing that. That's absolutely perfect, and that's Chuck Summer who is the president of the Calicoon Center Band. And, you know, this is just one of many traditions that we have in our listening area that we have in this region. And 
I'm somebody who's now been here for decades but didn't come from a small-town community like you did, Jason. You you did. <laughs> I grew right? I, Sabrina, I grew up with uh, my, my great-grandmother looking after me uh, sometimes, especially on summer vacation. So the sounds of my summer would, would be the Calicoon Center Band wafting through the, the screen with the evening breeze in the summer in my uh, great-grandmother's house right there in Calicoon Center. So I grew up, <laughs> I grew up with this, yes. Yes, yeah, so you grew up exactly with the Calicoon Center band. I didn't know that about you, Jason. That's great to learn. So I'm really excited. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, I didn't know that about the, you and the Calicoon Center band. I mean, of course, I do know that yeah. you are from here. And even me, you know, decades uh, in, um, you know, I think what happens for me is that because I grew up in, in a big city um, in the West, that I really treasure what this means to live in a in a in a smaller in small towns in a, a county that only has what about seventy eight thousand uh, people you know year round yeah yeah we 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 have more of course in the summertime but um, I'm really looking forward to going tonight I mean both to kind of mark this time. Uh, you know, and, um, go there, you know, people pull out their lawn chairs and, uh, years back, I mean, I actually did bring the trailer for trailer talk to the Calicoon Center band. And it was back during the time when the sisters who played the spoons, uh, you must remember them. Yeah. That's, that's great. Uh, And, and, but I mean, like you're talking about, you're talking about community. You're talking about community on uh, like that small town sort of community. Part of that's just about staying in touch with people. And regardless of wherever you came from, you embody that because this is what you do. This is what trailer talk is. Um, you know, when you, when possible, when it isn't the crazy pandemic times, you go to where the people are and you talk to the people and, and, and you find out about their lives. And that's so much a part of what community is. Yes, and it it um, continues to to bring me so much uh, personally, and to be able to share with our listeners the people that are we are living with, right? And and the places and the things that are a part of our lives, you know, whether full time or part time, whether old timer or newcomer, you know, um, we all make up this extraordinary place. Uh, that WJFF to me is the anchor for. So I want to encourage people, please give us a call, 845-482-4141, or you can go online. It's secure at wjffradio.org. Uh, Jason, such a pleasure to speak with you. I think yeah. I. Yeah, we should Probably let you not. get going over there to Calicoon Center so you can maybe even talk to some folks there. And will people be possibly hearing some interviews from the Calicoon Center band yes. on a future edition of Trailer Talk? Yes, I'm I'm definitely I'm going to be recording Great. tonight. You know, I want to capture sounds of the band, of course, and and the ambiance of everything. And um and uh, you know, I'll speak to some people as well. And then of course there's there's always Zoom for whatever <laughs> whatever else needs to be recorded, well, but definitely I have my recorder with me. Well, you get heading out on the road again, and I'll get your uh, interviews started here on air. And if you just want to let people know the phone number one more time as we get that started, I'll be ready to take their call. Okay, great. So please, we're in the middle of our fun drive. So please call WJFF at 845-482-4141. And you can also go online at WJFF. Dot org is that right? I WJFF, hope I got that right. WJFF org, pretty close. Oh, WJFF WJFF radio radio. Dot org. I thought, there you I go. That. Yeah, so org. Um, anyway, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Sabrina. Good talking. All to right, you. talk to you soon. All right, bye. All right, bye. Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people, whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline travel trailer from the studios or on the streets. Please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. 
I want to welcome all of you to this virtual episode of Trailer Talk. Please imagine yourselves coming inside the trailer and my guest and I, we're sitting around a kitchen table. We've got some lawn chairs outside. It's a gorgeous spring day. I want to welcome my guest, Farmer Greg Swartz. He has been farming in the upper Delaware River Valley region of Pennsylvania and New York since 2000. And he founded Willow Wisp Organic Farm in Damascus, Pennsylvania with his wife, Tannis Kowalchuk. I want to welcome you to this episode, Greg. Thank you, Sabrina. Pleasure to be here. Always my pleasure to speak with you. And I wanted to have this conversation because it is just spring. And things are in motion. There's a lot of action going on. And I wanted to speak to you about what that means for you as a farmer. You have an organic farm, and I'd love for you to share with us what you grow, why you grow it, the way that they taste, the way that they look, watermelon radishes Uh and shishito peppers, and many, many more things than I'm mentioning I'm wanting to talk to you about why you farm and lessons from this pandemic year, lessons about our food systems, why local food, what does this mean? How do people have access? Why don't we start with a little bit about the farm and then why I farm? Um, So Willow Wisp Organic Farm is, uh, as you mentioned, in, uh, in Damascus, Pennsylvania, in Wayne County. We are currently growing about 25 acres of certified organic vegetables, herbs, and cut flowers. And we grow a very big diversity of all of those things, somewhere around 45 different vegetable crops, several dozen culinary herbs, uh, several dozen varieties of cut flowers. The reason for that diversity is uh, touches on many, many things, one of which is the reason to farm, which is to eat well. The importance of diversity in our diet can't be overstated. Also, the importance of enjoying food can't be overstated. And part of the enjoyment of food is eating seasonally and eating this broad mix of of vegetables um, that all relate to the season. There's probably a nutritional and health aspect to eating seasonally, which which is important. But I think even more than that, it's, it's just pure enjoyment of it. Eating the thing when it's its season, um, you know, you can't beat it flavor-wise and, and just being connected to the, the cycles and timing of, of nature is, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's probably one of the most enjoyable parts of it. And how does what you're describing connect to the nutrients in the food and its impact on us? I'm going to answer that by talking about soil. The way that nutrients end up in the vegetable, right? You have a plant growing in the soil and so the plant is imbibing nutrients from the soil at the same time that it's going through one of the the most important processes on, on planet earth known as photosynthesis. So the plant is capturing solar energy to drive the whole biological process. But at the same time, the plant is taking up nutrients from the soil the best way for that plant to be able to take up those nutrients is if the soil itself is healthy. So our primary job as organic farmers is to create healthy soil. The byproduct is a healthy crop. So, so much of our focus is on that idea of soil. And what does that mean? Uh, Soil is alive. When you pick up a handful of healthy soil, on average, there's more than 1 billion, with a B, living organisms in that handful of soil. So that is everything from bacteria to fungi to nematodes to arthropods to earthworms. And the way in which all of those organisms interact, that cycle of life is what makes nutrients available to plants. Furthermore, that life interacts with the physical, the physical qualities of soil, too. Right, The bacteria and fungi work on mineral components in the soil. And all of those things working in harmony is what gives you healthy soil that allows those nutrients to then be taken up by the plant. 
you know, that's the simple version of it. But it it is the fundamental thing is to acknowledge the fact that soil is alive and that the best way to end up with nutrient-dense crops is to really think a lot about that life in the soil. And then the other benefit, maybe it's a side benefit, maybe it's the first benefit, I'm not sure, but flavor and nutrition are closely related. You know, so when something tastes good, when there's deep flavor, that means also that it has a high density of nutrients. Does the location of your farm factor into this nutrient-rich soil? Yeah, so geography is certainly yeah. important, right? That it, that affects which crops you grow and and planting dates for those crops. The native soil itself affects that. There are scores of different types of soils. One can can approach those soils and try to improve them through many different ways, but you can't change its fundamental nature. So for example, there is some soil that is definitely not suited to growing vegetables. There's some soil that is not suited to growing apple trees, et cetera. So you you want to match the soil or match your crop with the type of soil that you have. And, you know, that's one interesting thing about thinking about the, the, the food production in our region, we actually don't have a lot of high quality vegetable soil. You know, our, our area predominantly is an excellent place to grow grass. You know, when you look at the overall acreage, it's really more, more about growing good grass, but we're fortunate enough to have really excellent bottomland soil along the river that is ideally suited to, to vegetable production, which is why we're here. It was not by accident. <laughs> so that's the Delaware river that you're describing. Yes. Yeah. So you chose the location because you are adjacent to the Delaware River? Well, we chose it because the soil that is located right that's adjacent to the to the river is an you know alluvial floodplain, which means that it is a very fine sandy loam, uh, very deep uh, topsoil and second soil horizon, um, which makes it perfectly suited to vegetables. You know, you go you know, to the other side of uh, of the road from where our farm is, and it's, you know, rocky and steep and wooded. That alluvial floodplain soil is uh, is really rare in this area, and it's, uh, and it's perfect for vegetables. Greg, can you take us onto your farm for a moment? What would we be looking at? What would we see? Well, the farm uh, sits right along the Delaware River. We have about a, a half-mile frontage on the river. The field itself is raised above the river, so it's uh, about 15 feet above average river height, which means that it is not very prone to flooding. It will it will flood in catastrophic events. The last flood being uh, 2006 in this area was was dramatic, and there was water in the field. But otherwise, we're sitting above the river, and so flooding is not generally a concern. We are tucked along the base of a, of a hill that borders river road that goes along the, uh, along the farm. And so you look up that beautiful slope to these amazing rock ledges and a forested area. You look out along the tree line along the river and past that across the Delaware river, which is uh, New York state from here. And so we have this majestic river Valley with hills climbing up from the river valley and no matter which direction you're looking it's uh it's absolutely beautiful and then you look closer to where you are on the farm and you see that this there's this huge wide open flat field uh with beautiful soil and the perfect exposure to the sun we're wide open with no no trees and the other part, I guess, about the location and, and the farm is that being along the river, we have access to water for irrigation and not just any water, but, uh, you know, really high quality water from the river. A very important river that provides drinking water for multiple states and many millions of people. So as you say, very high quality water. So what is happening right now where in early spring, we're just at the start of April. The beginning of spring, we're starting to hear lots of uh, lots of noises out there from birds, and life is popping up. Some of the perennial crops in the field, you know, are starting to uh, wake up as the days get longer and the soil temperature rises. 
we have not started anything in the field yet. You know, we are uh, probably a week or two away from the from the first tillage in the field. But uh, green, the greenhouse really is the, the most busy place on the farm right now. So what, what's happening in the greenhouse right now? Oh, name something. It's happening. Okay, uh, tell, tell us. So, what, <laughs> so what's happening? What kinds of vegetables are growing? How big are they? And then what happens next? Sure. So we have, we have two different kinds of greenhouses here. Uh, one is a year-round greenhouse that is heated and has ventilation. And we have three of those that cover a little under uh, a third of an acre. We start all of our own plants on the farm and we start them in the greenhouse in trays in a really high quality potting soil. And then those get then transplanted into the field. And so we grow, I've actually never done the actual math, but but somewhere on the order of uh, a couple hundred thousand plants a year that come from that greenhouse out into the field. And so right now the greenhouse is uh, about 80% full of plants and we're just about to run out of room. And so we're hoping the weather warms up and so that we can start planting outside. One section uh, includes a, a whole nice mix of perennial herbs. So we have French tarragon, thyme, sage, rosemary, marjoram, oregano. And then we also have some vegetables growing, which right at this moment include lettuce, baby carrots, arugula, bok choy, mustard spinach, and Japanese turnips. And those we all planted uh, in March. And those will be, we'll start picking those in about two to three weeks. And that will be the the first crop of of the season. I love those Japanese turnips. They're so delicious. (laughs) What kinds of lettuce do you grow? In the greenhouse, we focus on one type of lettuce. Uh, It's known as, uh, as little jet which is a miniature sized head. Uh, we do a red one and a green one. And there are these kind of compact, dense, delicious, crunchy spring flavor bombs. Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. We are taking a break right now in the midst of Trailer Talk with Sabrina Artel because we need you to tell us how much you love us. And we need you, frankly, honestly, basically to do it with money. We need your call of support right now at 845-482-4141. You can also give your donation online at WJFFradio.org. However you want to do it, however much you can give, we need to hear from you because we need to keep uh, need to keep raising money each day while we're while we're in this fun drive, so that um, we can get it to we can get it to end. That's that's the whole idea here. So uh, it won't end until we raise forty thousand dollars, or until we hit uh, August fourteenth. We really need to raise this forty thousand dollars by um, August fourteenth. So. Uh, it's up to you. Call now. Support Trailer Talk, the local edition, any of your favorite programs here. But on Wednesday night, this is time for Trailer Talk. It's a time for Let's Talk Vets, which airs the second and fourth Wednesday evenings of the month. 845-482-4141. Whatever you're listening to, whyever you're listening, however you listen to us, which is one of the things that we'll ask you when you call, actually, is how do you pri- how do you primarily listen to us? That's something we want to know. 845-482-4141. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, we're glad that you're listening. And we're asking, can you go from being just a listener to also being a supporter? It's a, a threshold that all of the, all of the supporters of this radio station cross at some point. Um, those who started as listeners at some point, you, you listen to public radio long enough and you realize, oh, wait a minute, they're talking to me. And when they're talking about people that support their station, they're talking about people that are no different than I am. And uh, once you get to that point, you cross that threshold, well, that's when you pick up the phone, you call, and you let us know how much you can give us. 845-482-4141. We do have the second half of this conversation with Greg Schwartz from Willowisp Farm, organic farmer, expert on organic farming and uh, 
member of our local community here and a familiar voice to longtime listeners of Radio Catskill. Uh, we'll get back to the second half of this program coming up, but we do need the phone to ring before then, or we need the contribution to come in online. So I'm going to take a break right now, and uh, we'll be back in a moment, and uh, we'll see if we got any of those contributions online. This is Radio Catskill. I'm Cassie of Rare Pair Radio. It's a weekly showcase of primarily female artists, but also a wide range of avant-garde musicians, the fruit of post-punk, experimental, and fringe music. Your eyes are set on stone. I love to see you shine, because you really blow Rare Pair Radio, Friday at 8 p.m. All year long, listeners tell us they love Radio Catskill. Well, now's the time to show your love during our summer fun drive. Think about why you love public radio for the Catskills in northeastern Pennsylvania. Then let your friends and neighbors know. Give now at WJFFradio.org. Feel the love. Share the love. Summer of love. I'm Jason Tuga, host of The Mixtape, and I'm here to tell you that WJFF Radio Catskill is celebrating the Summer of Love and the Summer of Soul with our current Summer Fun Drive. This Friday night, I will be playing music from your favorite movies, including a hefty dose of music from the Summer of Soul, which will be screened starting next weekend at the Calicoon Theater. On the air Friday, we've got some special thank you gifts. Think movie tickets and popcorn. That's 7 p.m. Friday on The Mixtape. And that is coming up on Friday right here on Radio Catskill. And coming up tomorrow night, we have John Gordon with Ramble Tamble. He'll be doing uh, his uh, 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 fun drive, summer fun drive edition of Ramble Tamble. He'll be winding to hear from you as well if you want to listen and call. And then you can call in now as we head back to this interview. Remember the number that we've got for you to use for this very purpose. Or you can give online at WJFFradio.org. Um, I didn't say the number, did I? 845-482-4141. I'll say it again a little bit slower. 845-482-4141. The number to call to support Radio Catskill. Give what you can right now at 845-482-4141 or go to WJFFradio.org. I just checked. Nobody has gone to WJFFradio.org and made an online contribution in uh, some time. Nobody knew for me to thank. Uh, but it was good to check. So uh, I checked, and if uh, if you uh, get yours in there, I'll check again. WJFFradio.org. Give what you can. Do give now. Support Sabrina Artel's trailer talk coming to you on the first and third Wednesdays of the month. Uh, great conversations right here from our community. What's that worth to you? Let us know right now. Give what you can. 845-482-4141 or donate online at WJFFradio. Org. Let's get back to Trailer Talk. On air, online, on your smartphone and on your smart speaker. Radio Catskill, keeping you connected. How does your farming and the mission of Willow Wisp Organic Farm, how is that connecting to access for people to have access to this nutrient dense organic produce and also how is it connecting to what happened during the pandemic and some lessons that perhaps you learned food access is a very tricky one the way in which our country thinks about the value of food is deeply broken as the industrialized nation that spends the smallest percentage of our overall household budgets on food, we do not value food. So we have a very strong belief in this country that food should be cheap. And that is a cultural belief that was actually, you know, I believe, seeded in the hen and then promulgated by the federal government through lots of different subsidy systems and other agricultural programs that really has built in this expectation that food should be consistent supply available all the time and always cheap. Now, the problem with that is that the price that we pay at the grocery store is not the true price of the food because of that subsidy system. 
So when you look at what the federal government spends on subsidies, you have to realize that that the the funding for those subsidies, of course, comes from tax dollars. So we are paying more for that food than what the sticker price at the grocery store is. That's important when you start looking at the pricing of food from when you're buying directly from farmers. My products are always more expensive than the grocery store. The biggest thing is that we do not receive any subsidies. The cost of producing food is related to how you grow it. So growing organically, having 20% of the farm fallow every year, uh, spending a lot of time managing the soil that in, in the short term does not become monetized. It's a, it's a long-term project. And also believing that we should pay our team a living wage. All of those things mean that our price is more expensive. So I went on that little, that little path of, of yeah. price because you asked about access. It is challenging for some people to see our prices, people that have limited economic means and see our prices and they're turned off by it because it is so much more expensive than the grocery store. That has always been something of our challenge. So Greg, thank you for explaining that. So it is a challenge and it's also a challenge because I know that there are so many people of limited means and there's such food scarcity in our region, certainly around the country, but it was exposed dramatically and devastatingly during the pandemic in our region. So what do we do? I know that you care about these issues. Yeah. So this is something we've thought about and talked about for a long time. But then last year, things changed in a, in a good way, right? So we saw so many people struggling with getting food. The food pantries in our region responded accordingly. They bumped up the number of pantries that they were doing per month. My wife, Tannis, got involved with the Wayne County Group very early on last year, is I think in April. Uh, she reached out and tried to understand what the mechanics and landscape of the food pantries were in Wayne County. She got involved in trying to help organize more food pantries. We started in the early days of last season, we started donating product to those food pantries. And these pantries were both through the Wayne County, uh, the government, and then also the Cooperage in Honesdale really stepped up to the plate to start doing food distribution themselves, which was not something that was in their kind of programming before that. And they really did a great job. So as a result of Tannis kind of making those connections and then we making the decision to donate what we could at those times, we formed these partnerships. And Tannis actually started another pantry distribution point here at the farm. So she would go to Honesdale, pick up some of the staple items of you know rice and all the shelf-stable things, and we would add in vegetables into the box. And then people here in Damascus could come and pick food up. That was, again, a response to the, the, the crisis of last year. Now, what happened, which was really cool, is that after that initial time where we were donating produce, the county actually came up with funding to wow. continue. Okay. And so then we, through the entire season, right up until I think our last delivery was November, maybe even December, we were providing vegetables to all of the food pantry pickups throughout all of Wayne County. And they were purchasing it at wholesale prices. So it was such a huge win-win. So, so our fellow citizens of Wayne County were getting fresh local organic produce and, and we were getting paid a, a fair wholesale price for it. That's and, incredible. So do you see that as something then that will continue? So it actually shifted the framework for how, how both people can access your organic produce and how you can sustain your business. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really seems like it's going to happen. Um, I want to give a, a shout out to the person that really made that happen too, Jane Bollinger, who is a really strong organizer in, uh, or in food system issues here in Wayne County. And she really was the one that made the connection with the county kind of side of it for sourcing and payment and all of that stuff. And because of her efforts, you know, we, the, the logistics of it were great because she was really taking point on it and the relationship was established. And, and the last conversation that we had, it seems like we'll be able to continue that in, uh, in this next growing season, which we're excited about. 
So the the crisis actually has now created something very positive in a shift in the local food system. Yeah. And I, I also want to highlight, it was really important for us last year for that, that new outlet to develop because one of our challenges last, I mean, everything was, was right all over the place for everyone last year, ourselves included. We, in the beginning of the season, we weren't sure what was going to be happening with farmers markets, where they're going to be allowed. I actually, Sabrina, just this morning was cleaning my desk and I came across this notebook from last April. Yes. There's that much stuff on my desk. I can relate. Uh, and uh, in that notebook was my emergency plan for 2020. So that was looking at what happens if farmers markets get shut down, because at that point it was not clear. You know, there was a moment last spring where uh, Governor Cuomo was saying we should shut down all farmers markets and throughout all of New York State and New York City. So we really did not know what was happening. As it turns out, all farmers markets stayed open. Every single farmers market that I was a part of, the organizers and the vendors made a huge, huge effort to create a safe shopping experience for customers. Uh, that included spacing vendors out at market, limiting the number of customers allowed in market, uh, maintaining social distancing within stalls, having hand sanitizer and gloves, and of course, everybody wearing masks. All of it was more work. There were lines all over the place. It was slow. It was kind of painful. But customers came to trust that we were doing the right thing. And more often, more frequently, we would hear thanks from customers mm -hmm. for creating that safe shopping experience. Farmers markets across the country really, really quickly figured out how to make it a, a safe experience. And it worked. So farmers markets were good for us last year. Um, but our wholesale trade suffered dramatically. We work with a lot of restaurants doing direct wholesaling, both in Wayne County and Sullivan County and in a larger volume in Metro New York City. So last year, our restaurant sales were 5% of the year before. That's a pretty big shift in a, in a short amount of time. And one thing that helped, uh, helped pick up some of that slack was uh, selling to the Wayne County food pantries. That's incredible. To learn of what you were facing. Greg, what are you looking at now uh, coming into 2021, the farm season for you? You've been farming since 2000 at this point. So what keeps you going and what are some of your visions for the future? And, and I have to add, uh -oh. please add in, you're growing this beautiful, nutrient-rich produce. So some of those favorites too, because as you said, an important part of what you do is you're growing food that also creates pleasure. So it's feeding us, it's feeding people, it's also creating enjoyment and pleasure while doing so. I'll take first a, a little... A little uh, glimpse of what I see for 2021. I feel more confident at this time of this spring as opposed to last spring. I know the farmers markets are, um, you know, are secure that we're gonna we're gonna have that. Um, uh, I am not sure what will happen wholesale wise. It seems like restaurants are opening back up, but I am I'm also hoping that they don't open up too quickly and then get shut down again. For the growing season, of course, I am optimistic that uh, that we'll have good weather and that everything will work out because if I didn't, I wouldn't be a farmer. <laughs> um, you know that saying of hope springs eternal, right? It's, you know, emphasis on spring. <laughs> and what else? You know, we're going to we, we have, a, have an exciting crop plan for the year. And, and I feel like every year that we do this, we get better at it. And um, and so, yeah, I'm very excited for this coming season. Is there one, one vegetable or one herb or one plant that you're the most excited about, either to eat yourself or to share with us? Only one? Okay, let's have more than one. Okay. How about I'll do one from each season? Okay. All right. I'm very excited about asparagus. We, uh, we planted an asparagus patch about five years ago, so we're actually really into, into production now. And that is just one of the one of the most exciting spring treats is to go out there and pick some asparagus and munch it right there. Or if I'm uh, patient enough to to bring it back home and 
throw it on the grill for a few minutes and eat it that way. Um, moving into, into summer, I have to say, you mentioned this one earlier, is uh, shishito peppers are, are awfully fun. For those folks that don't know what shishito peppers are, it's a Japanese variety of pepper that's very small, kind of bite-sized. One in 10 of the peppers have some heat to them. The rest just have a really nice, uh, nice pepper flavor to it. And the best way to prepare those is to um, get a cast iron pan nice and hot with some oil and salt and just blister them in that uh, in that pan and then uh, and then munch on it and and may- maybe share some with Sabrina. Yes, I'm obsessed. My middle name is Shishido. <laughs> 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 and then looking to fall, uh, hands down, my favorite would be radicchio. Mm. Um, we have uh, have really kind of gone on this uh, this adventure uh, of learning more and more about uh, about radicchio. John Bachman, who's uh, one of my partners in crime here on the farm, and I have a have a deep love and fascination with eating it. And now we're getting better and better each year growing it because there are so many different varieties of radicchio to grow. So we grow many many of them and and keep trying to get better at it and source seed for, for different varieties. And so that's, uh, that's our, that's my, my favorite fall one. Mm. Oh my goodness. Well, I look forward to coming to the farm and, and uh, meeting these plants uh, (laughs) as, as they're growing and being harvested. So Greg, I'm wondering if there's anything you'd like to conclude with. Well, I guess just to pick up one thread of what you were saying before about, you know, what, what were some of the things that happened last year and that we learned about last year with, with COVID and, and you kind of alluded to it too, is the, is the fragility of our food system. You know, it's not so much the fragility of the production system, but it's the fragility of the distribution system. When any one thing can uh, throw a monkey wrench in distribution, all of a sudden we see empty shelves in grocery stores. Um, about 10 years ago, I saw this study. I don't know if it still holds true, uh, but that at any one time in Metro New York City, there's three weeks worth of food in the metro area. So we saw one type of dis- disruption to the distribution system last year with COVID, but there are so many other types of disruptions that can come, whether that be the disruption of the supply of, of fuel, whether that be war, whether whatever, there's so many pieces to that distribution system that that could really be problematic so as we look at what we mean by sustainability one of the pieces should be what we what food supply looks like and the most secure way is you know to, is to have a regionalized production system i'm not saying never have you know stuff from the rest of the country or the rest of the world but but there's there's much more security in having a regional production system, um, and of course the corollary to that is it's extremely important to our local economy to have a more robust farming sector. You know, the the to have a reinvigoration of our farming sector in this economy is it, it's in my opinion that's really our path forward. When we talk about local economic development in this area. Yes, tourism is important. I don't, I don't deny that at all. But the other piece, and they're actually related, the other piece really is to go with our strengths, to evaluate our natural resources, to take advantage and protect those natural resources. And agriculture is the perfect fit. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Greg. It's always wonderful to speak with you. I learned so much and I... I look forward to having a visit this spring at your farm. My pleasure, Sabrina. Well, we welcome you anytime. Thank you. I've been speaking with Greg Swartz from Willow Wisp Organic Farm. To learn more about Greg and his team and Willow Wisp Organic Farm, please visit willowwisporganic.com. From the kitchen table out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patty Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artel. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artel. 
safe travels. Okay, that's going to just about do it for Sabrina Artel's trailer talk tonight. Uh, another great conversation. And uh, as you heard Sabrina talking earlier before, one that she uh, picked out specifically for you to hear tonight as we're asking you to support Radio Catskill. It was good hearing from Greg Schwartz again, Willow Wisp Farm. But now we need to hear from you. Go to WJFFradio.org. Give what you can and uh, give it now. WJFFradio.org. Support the station that brings you Sabrina Artel's trailer talk. Uh, uh, just another one of the phenomenal different ways. We have multiple different programs that allow us to connect with, engage with, and talk to the community. And uh, Sabrina's conversations, the topics run from um, the, the, the interesting and, and the more fun to the, the very serious. But even in the more fun conversations, she's always looking for that next level of what does it mean what do what do the issues mean for the person talking? What does what they do mean for the community? Support this type of radio happening in your community. It's not happening anywhere else. Sabrina Artel's trailer talk. WJFFradio.org. Go to WJFFradio.org. Support this kind of community radio. It's not happening anywhere else around here. Go online now. Make your contribution. Uh, you can also give your support for the Retro Cocktail Hour, which is coming up. But first, we have a treat. We mentioned this earlier. We uh, spoke with the Calicoon Center Band earlier this afternoon, and Sabrina's on her way for their performance tonight. It's just about to get started, so let's uh, let's hear now from the president of the Calicoon Center Band, Chuck Summer, joining us on the phone. Chuck, how are you doing? Jason, it's very nice to speak with you. Uh, thanks for having me. Okay, I guess the big news is the, the band is back, There's a hallmark of Sullivan County Summers is a Calicoon Center Band, and you're getting ready to go again. Uh, yeah, it's been, uh, we didn't, we weren't obviously able to do any concerts last year because of, uh, COVID. And, uh, actually we would have started at the end of June this year, but again, we've been delayed, but we feel very fortunate to be able to, to do some concerts now in August. What we have scheduled is, uh, tonight, August 4th, and then the 11th, 18th, and the 25th. And these concerts are all, are all at 8 p.m. You know, traditionally we've done our concerts on Wednesday nights. So. We're going to try to get uh, get four of them in this year. Okay, that's great. And um, you've got a, a new new partner, a new ally uh, that has a, a new space you perform in to help uh, facilitate things a little bit better as we're still kind of uh, emerging from the whole COVID era. You're you're doing this at the Hills has a, has a barn on their property. That, that's correct. Actually, it's uh, and we're very very excited at uh, the chance to play at the barn at Calicoon Hills. Um, a, a woman that works there, Katie White, has has been really very helpful, and uh, I wouldn't have any rainouts anymore because every. Hmm. Uh, I don't I don't know if you know the story of this barn, but what I've been told is it was originally in Indiana, and they disassembled it and brought it out here. So. Oh. They must have wanted that barn really bad. <laughs> well, you know, when you're when you're in the market for a barn, <laughs> you gotta shop around. Uh that yeah. that's really cool. I had no idea. That that that's great. Yeah. So 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 you're excited about the, the space and, and uh and, and there being people in and around it. That's right. Uh and, and I would say we we've had three rehearsals so far and attendance has been just excellent, you know. I mean uh, uh the, the, we have currently 28 people in the band and uh well, these are really loyal folks you know they they show up and they really uh, they like to play it's just a nice group of people to associate with now as i understand it like the calcoon center band long long running in the area but it's also from a from a is part of a much older heritage in a time in america when that was uh the town's entertainment would be the town band playing in the center of town and it and it follows from a european tradition and and around here in our area with a lot of german families settling in the area that's the sort of thing they would have been doing is having uh bandstand music essentially that's right uh the, the current band uh, you know the calcoon center band uh dates back to 1934 uh, and I, I haven't brushed up on the history recently, but I know there was a band previous to that called the Gilbert Band uh, and other bands. I think that going back into the 19th century, and you're, and you're correct, it was a very common form of entertainment in, in towns all over uh, to have a town band. And, and, and no, not just so much, not just exclusively for the musical entertainment, but, you know, people would come together and it's a, it's a nice social gathering, really. 
And um, do, do you play an instrument? I do. I play the trumpet. Okay. And what 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 songs do you like playing out of your repertoire? What do you, what do you enjoy? Uh, well, you know, I like a lot of what we play. Um, I, I'm kind of a march guy. I, I like uh, I like the Sousa marches. You know, I mean, there's Stars and Stripes and lots of other good composers, but I think Sousa wrote what 140 some odd marches, and we play a good number of those. And and then we do uh, you know we do waltzes, we do polkas, uh, novelty novelty pieces. You know, so a pretty good uh, range of repertoire, I would say. Okay, great. Well, you know, again, this Calcoon Center Band, if you hadn't heard, you're hearing it now. They are back and going to be performing every Wednesday evening this month, including this evening. Uh, so the 4th, the 11th, the 18th, and the 25th. And, uh, Chuck, what, what time do each of these shows start, and what do people need to know if they're coming out? They start at 8 o'clock, um, and... Um, we have a sign on our old bandstand t- explaining to people where where this new site is, but I don't think it's 300 yards from our old bandstand. To tell you the truth, you just head up toward Roscoe from the bandstand, take the first right that you can, and uh, and, the, and the parking lot for the barn is right there. Um, so uh, you know, we hope to see a lot of people come out. Uh, we're looking forward to having a good time. Okay, and you know Sabrina Artel will be there, probably talking to you more. So, listeners to this program, uh, you're going to hear a lot more about the Calicoon Center Band um, in the future from Sabrina. But and and hopefully we'll get a, a good recording of a full concert to play on our Sunday stage program here. Uh, but for now, Chuck, we're going to go out with a, a little recording we have from a number of years ago from the Calicoon Center Band. And uh, as we say, thank you so much for talking to us tonight. All right, Jason. Been nice to speak with you. Okay, that's going to do it for me as we uh, fade out here listening to the Calcoon Center Band recorded uh, some years ago. Uh, Remember that we need to hear from you. Go to WJFFradio.org. Give what you can. If you've already given, we thank you so much. Uh, If you don't have anything to give right now, we thank you so much for listening. And in either case, you can always tell your friends, neighbors, family, loved ones, they should be contributing as well. Send them the link, WJFFradio.org. It's a quick, safe, easy to give there. Give what you can and help us end this summer fun drive. WJFFradio.org. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. Retro Cocktail Hour is coming up. Last year, listeners told us what WJFF Radio Catskill really means to them. They said they rely on us, that we give them a real lifeline, and listeners even voted us the best radio station of 2020 in the River Reporter. If you feel the same, then we need to hear from you too. Support public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Give now at WJFFRadio.org. WJFF Jeffersonville, Radio Catskill. On air at 90.5 FM. WJFFradio.org. Listen to us on your smartphone. Download the WJFF app. Listen to us on your smart speaker. Like us on Facebook. And follow us on Instagram. Radio Catskill, keeping you connected. Support comes from the Law Office of John Ferrara in Monticello, providing legal services in the areas of matrimonial and family law and criminal defense. John.Ferrara557 at gmail.com. Support comes from the Vintage House on Main Street, Jeffersonville, featuring eclectic furnishings, clothing, antiques, records, and books in a charming 19th century house. VintageHouseJville.com and on Instagram at VintageHouseJville.
You're listening to the Retro Cocktail Hour. <laughs> 